Section 22 of the United States. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Devorah Allen. The World Story, Volume 13. The United States. Edited by Ava March Tappan. Section 22. The Death of Washington. 1799. The following account is that given by Mr. Lear, Washington's private secretary, combined with some facts given by Mr. Custis. The Editor Between two and three o'clock on Saturday morning, December 14th, he, footnote, Washington, end of footnote, awoke Mrs. Washington and told her that he was very unwell and had had an ague. She observed that he could scarcely speak, and breathed with difficulty, and would have got up to call a servant, but he would not permit her, lest she should take a cold. As soon as the day appeared, the woman, Caroline, went into the room to make a fire, and Mrs. Washington sent her immediately to call me. I got up, put on my clothes as quickly as possible, and went to his chamber. Mrs. Washington was then up, and related to me his being ill as before stated. I found the general breathing with difficulty, and hardly able to utter a word intelligibly. He desired Mr. Rawlins, one of the overseers, might be sent for, to bleed him before the doctor could arrive. I dispatched a servant instantly for Rawlins, and another for Dr. Crake, and returned again to the general's chamber, where I found him in the same situation as I had left him. A mixture of molasses, vinegar, and butter was prepared to try its effects in the throat but he could not swallow a drop. Whenever he attempted it, he appeared to be distressed, convulsed, and almost suffocated. Rollins came in soon after sunrise, and prepared to bleed him. When the arm was ready, the general, observing that Rollins appeared to be agitated, said, as well as he could speak, "'Don't be afraid.' And when the incision was made, he observed, "'The orifice is not large enough.' However, the blood ran pretty freely. Mrs. Washington, not knowing whether bleeding was proper or not in the general situation, begged that much might not be taken from him, lest it should be injurious, and desired me to stop it. But when I was about to untie the string, the general put up his hand to prevent it, and as soon as he could speak, he said, More. More. Mrs. Washington, being still very uneasy, lest too much blood should be taken, it was stopped after taking about half a pint. Finding that no relief was obtained from bleeding, and that nothing would go down the throat, I proposed bathing it externally with salvolatile, which was done, and in the operation, which was with the hand, and in the gentlest manner, he observed, It is very sore. A piece of flannel dipped in salvolatile was put around his neck, and his feet bathed in warm water, but without affording any relief. In the meantime, before Dr. Craig arrived, Mrs. Washington desired me to send for Dr. Brown, of Port Tobacco, whom Dr. Craig had recommended to be called, if any case should ever occur that was seriously alarming. Dr. Dick came about three o'clock, and Dr. Brown arrived soon after. Upon Dr. Dick seeing the general, and consulting a few minutes with Dr. Craig, he was bled again. The blood came very slow, was thick, and did not produce any symptoms of fainting. 
Dr. Brown came into the chamber soon after, and upon feeling the general's pulse, the physicians went out together. Dr. Craik returned soon after. The general could now swallow a little. Calomel and tartar emetic were administered, but without any effect. The weather became severely cold, while the group gathered nearer to the couch of the sufferer. He spoke but little. To the respectful and affectionate inquiries of an old family servant, as she smoothed down his pillow, how he felt himself, he answered, I am very ill. To Mrs. Washington he said, Go to my desk, and in the private drawer you will find two papers. Bring them to me. They were brought. Upon looking at them he observed, These are my wills. Preserve this one, and burn the other which was accordingly done. In the course of the afternoon he appeared to be in great pain and distress from the difficulty of breathing, and frequently changed his posture in the bed. On these occasions I lay upon the bed and endeavored to raise him and turn him with as much ease as possible. He appeared penetrated with gratitude for my attentions, and often said, I am afraid I shall fatigue you too much and upon my assuring him that I could feel nothing but a wish to give him ease, he replied, Well, it is a debt we must pay to each other, and I hope, when you want aid of this kind, you will find it. He asked when Mr. Lewis and Washington Custis would return. They were then in New Kent. I told him about the twentieth of the month. The general's servant, Christopher, was in the room during the day, and in the afternoon the general directed him to sit down, as he had been standing almost the whole day. He did so. About eight o'clock in the morning he had expressed a desire to get up. His clothes were put on, and he was led to a chair by the fire. He found no relief from that position, and lay down again about ten o'clock. About five o'clock Dr. Craik came into the room, and upon going to the bedside, the general said to him, Doctor, I die hard, but I am not afraid to go. I believed from my first attack that I should not survive it. My breath cannot last long. The doctor pressed his hand, but could not utter a word. He retired from the bedside, and sat by the fire absorbed in grief. Between five and six o'clock, Dr. Dick and Dr. Brown came into the room, and with Dr. Craik went to the bed when Dr. Craik asked him if he could sit up in the bed. He held out his hand, and I raised him up. He then said to the physicians, I feel myself going. I thank you for your attentions, but I pray you to take no more trouble about me. Let me go off quietly. I cannot last long. About ten o'clock, he made several attempts to speak to me before he could effect it. At length he said, I am just going. Have me decently buried, and do not let my body be put into the vault in less than three days after I am dead. I bowed assent, for I could not speak. He then looked at me again and said, Do you understand me? Yes, I replied. Tis well said he, the last words which he ever uttered on earth. With surprising self-possession he prepared to die. Composing his form at full length, 
and folding his arms on his bosom. About ten minutes before he expired, which was between ten and eleven o'clock Saturday evening, his breathing became easier. He lay quietly. He withdrew his hand from mine and felt his own pulse. I saw his countenance change. I spoke to Dr. Crake, who sat by the fire. He came to the bedside. The general's hand fell from his wrist. I took it in mine and pressed it to my bosom. Dr. Crake put his hands over his eyes, and he expired without a struggle or a sigh, December 14, 1799, in the sixty-eighth year of his age, after an illness of twenty-four hours. End of section 22